Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I've had a week that involved a lot of looking back. Speaking last weekend at a gathering called The One Event, it was at Lincoln Showground, I had the opportunity to connect with some fellow Christian leaders that I've known and served with over many years. People like Graham Kendrick, the Wesley of our generation, who has given us so many great songs. And then there was Ishmael, who has had tens of thousands of children jumping up and down to his bouncy, catchy music. Others like Noel Robinson, Philippa Hanna, Stuart Bell. It was just great to connect. But this was more than just a nostalgia fest. It gave me the opportunity not only to look back and be grateful, but also to refocus my own faith and consider where I am with Jesus now. As I'll share tonight, that means losing some elements of the faith that I used to have, because although we need to ask if we've lost our first love, we don't need to live in our first faith. So more on moving on in faith tonight here on Lucas on Life on Premier Christian Radio. I've decided to abandon my Christian faith, and you really need to listen to the end of this piece if it's going to make any sense. But I'm done with certain elements of my faith for good. It's over. The epic decision has been a long coming, has created a lot of agony and soul-searching, but it is way overdue because I just can't keep going anymore. I've talked it over with a lot of friends, most of whom have been understanding and supportive, but I've also kept much of my angst to myself, hoping to delay the inevitable, praying that, like a self-writing canoe, everything would sort itself out. But the boat wasn't flipping, and I was drowning. It's time to abandon ship. It all came to a head a few months ago, and I'm not sure if it was a prayer or a rant addressed to myself, but the thought went something like this. I'm rather tired of being a Christian. It's just all too exhausting. I wake up every morning to be immediately greeted by a sense of what I'm not, shaken awake each dawn by the elusive possibility of what I'm supposed to be, and I'm overwhelmed by the tyranny of too many oughts. I ought to be a better person. I ought to pray for hours without distraction and read the Bible through four times a year. I ought to solve world hunger, sort global warming, and find a way to reach the guy next door who is lost if I don't reach out to him. And I ought to hear God with crystal clarity, be his servant with sacrificial humility, utterly die to self, give till it hurts, and I'm tired. I don't want a purpose-driven life, forget purpose and pack away driven. I just want a life. I don't want to live for a dream, a vision, or an agenda. I just want to breathe. And so, like a shed skin, my dried-up Christianity has been discarded, and I'm hoping not to pick up its scaly shell and try to squeeze back into it again. Now, perhaps my announcement of abandonment will create concern. A few impassioned letters from worried listeners urging me to repent, to reconsider, to turn. Fear not and write not. You see, it's my form of Christianity, my mutated form of faith that I'm shaking off. And as I do so, I am relentlessly pursuing Christ still asking for faith done his way. You see, my problem is not with Jesus. On the contrary, listen to his words. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight in the message. 
Jesus is not the reason for my crisis. He's the answer, not the problem. It's my deformed version of faith that I'm divorcing. Significant junctions in life nudge us to questions. So I'm asking myself, how on earth did it all come to this? Perhaps somewhere along the way, I lost sight of this most basic truth. I am a disciple, an apprentice. Apprentices are learners who slowly, painstakingly inch their way to brilliance. They don't initiate, they respond. They're teachable. Their role can be summed up in one word. They are followers. That was the repeated invitation to headstrong Peter, a man so full of words and not so bright ideas, who had to hear himself denying his best friend three times before he could understand what a wonderful, forgiving best friend he had. He had to run out of steam before he could be filled with power from on high. Followers just do what they're told, no more and no less. Apprentices don't change the world but cooperate with God as he changes the world. And so rather than being stalked by what I think I should do, I'm asking to see what he wants me to do. Obvious, perhaps, but a truth so easily missed, at least by me. And here, being part of church helps me. I'm part of a body. It's not me. It's us. Can a finger be an eye? No, I've tried. I'd like to go where he is leading rather than gallop ahead, hoping he's still around. And then, in my brand of believing... I had to answer all of the unfathomable questions and figure out the truth of the Trinity, the mysteries of prayer, the reason for evil, the details of heaven, the nature of hell, and just exactly why Auschwitz was allowed to happen. In living by the gospel according to Lucas, I felt the need to defend God when he permitted what I didn't like or understand, like a puny bodyguard for the Holy One, a sentry at Zion's gates. Abandoning my mutant faith calls for more trust and greater ease in the place of mystery. It doesn't make pain any less painful, but those who suffer won't thank me for trying to explain away their agony with my hollow little slogans. Perhaps, most important of all, despite preaching grace, somewhere I stop believing that I'm utterly loved and liked by God just as I am right now, this very second. Now, that doesn't lead me to surrender to sameness. It's just that I'd like him to change me by his spirit rather than me change me by my sweat. And it's not just let go and let God. Cooperation and discipline are still required on my part, but there's a happy surrender to this truth. He's good at making people in his own image, and I am not a self-made man I will never be. So I bid farewell to my Christian faith, And I hope that you'll toss your version too and embrace the Jesus version for all of us. Please, God, when it comes to our mutated versions, may it be goodbye and good riddance. We're talking about moving on in faith and believing. A depressing drizzle kept my windscreen wipers in work as I turned into the church car park. There were plenty of spaces to choose from, a welcome sight at a Saturday morning pay and display, but not at a Sunday evening church event where you're the speaker and you've travelled a long way to speak. The small handful of cars said it all. Not many people were going to show up tonight. Some speakers say that they don't care if the crowd is small. Either they lie or they graduated to a level of sainthood that is way beyond me. Communicating with a gaggle of souls spread thinly around a cavernous building can be torturous. 
The organiser of the event hurried out to the car to greet me, which was kind considering the frigid weather. Hello, Jeff, he smiled. Glad you made it okay. We don't have much of a crowd yet, but don't worry. I'm believing that we'll have a full house 15 minutes from now. My facial muscles started to create my, sure, look up there, there's a pig coming into land expression, but I caught them just in time and nodded. But his I'm believing language suddenly made me feel like an outsider looking in on Planet Christian, an all too frequent feeling of dislocation. How fragile I am, because five minutes earlier, I'd been praying while driving, eagerly asking God to make the evening purposeful. Now, as my host insisted that he was believing for a last-minute stampede, I felt despair seep into my heart like a dose of rising damp. When Christians plan events, but then Christian people are in short supply at those events, out come the slogans and cliches, and I've heard them all. It doesn't matter that there are only 15 people in this 2,000-seat auditorium. The people that the Lord wants to be there will be there, so they say. Really? So the low attendance is actually God's fault, because those who didn't come were eternally predestined not to show up, which makes publicity a waste of time, because those whom God wants to be there will be there anyway. I don't think so. Don't give up the habit of meeting together, said the writer to the Hebrews, who responded, if they believe this notion, but it's all right, if we don't bother, it's all part of the plan. Without sounding too much like Victor Meldrew, I don't believe it. And then there's that frequent flyer prayer that is often spotted in pre-service prayer gatherings. We thank you, Lord, that where two or three gather in your name, there you are in the midst, which is a biblical truth thinly disguised, showing that we're only expecting two or three human beings, but cheer up because God will be there. He's promised it, and omnipresence guarantees that the promise will be honoured. But it's the really believing bit that vexes me, because what does it mean to really believe for something? Does believing just involve saying a sentence out loud like, we'll have a full house, when it's patently obvious that we won't? And does really believing require me to thank God for doing something before he's actually done it? That seems like trying to embarrass God into doing what I want him to do. A bit like sending a thank you card for the generous Christmas gift on December the 4th. Sometimes the language of believing sounds perilously like wishing upon a star, crossing our fingers, or just hoping for the best. Some Christians apparently think that believing means intensity and lots of shouting while praying. There's even a Facebook version of this. Someone posts that they're feeling under the weather or near death, whereupon an assortment of very keen Christians respond with comments written in capital letters. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and declare that Fred is whole and well right now. I said right now in Jesus' name. Bizarrely, this not only implies that Satan is a member of Facebook and is therefore in a position to receive the rebuking status update, but also that demons flee and sickness scurries away whenever Christians get serious enough to start typing in capital letters. Oh no, yelled the devil, obviously in great agony. No one told me they were going to use uppercase and even italicized text on their social networking pages. Surely, moving forward in faith and authentic believing means that we do ask Jesus to intervene and that we keep on asking at least until it seems obvious that he's not going to intervene, at least in the way we prefer. Believing means that I refuse to walk sulkily away from him when he is silent. Believers stand with each other in prayer and comfort, 
during the wintry seasons of drizzly doubt. They worship when there's no other apparent reason to worship than this. He is worthy. Believing is not about working ourselves into a religious lather, but knowing that as we declare in liturgy or song that he is the resurrection and the life, we'll start to believe it a little more. Believing calls us to rest in the conviction that we are greatly loved and that the blathering on at him that we call insistent prayer doesn't irritate but delights him. Believing means that we'll be realistic but not cynical. We'll pray for the best and prepare for the worst. And believing faith is never sleek and perfect. One of my favorite biblical characters is the chap who, challenged by Jesus with the potential of believing, cried, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It was a partial, limping faith, but trust that Jesus didn't curl his lip at. A miracle happened, even though faith was flawed. Perhaps it always is. Let's keep moving forward in faith, even when we move with a limp. So, being with Graham and Noel, Philippa and others last weekend, yes, it was a time to look back and remember. But it also gave the opportunity to look around and look forward and be determined to finish well and keep growing in faith. Why don't you join me tonight, even as I sign off now, in praying that God will take us all forward, even if it's baby steps of trust. Father, help us to grow in you, move in us by your Holy Spirit, that we might become more formed to be like Christ. Take us all the way home, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Lucas on Life.